Welcome to the Basketball Index Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor. Got Krishna producing, and we are talking about the state of the Thunder. Talking to David Brandon, writer for the Daily Thunder. Uh, David, how you doing, and how you feeling about the state of the Thunder? Doing good, man. Doing good. The future is bright. I'm excited. Yeah, the uh, there, there's a lot of lot of young, exciting guys that um, I, I've enjoyed kind of getting bits and pieces of, but I really want to get your opinion. Uh, but let's kind of just like real quick, if you could get us up to speed on the Thunder season, where like double digits games into the season, uh, what what have we missed if we haven't been tuning in? So the Thunder are probably better than most people expected. A lot of people expected them to be bottom bottom of the West, and they are bottom four in the West, but they're six and eight. I think I think it's six and eight. Yeah, um, they're and the, some of those losses have been very very close. They've been much more frisky and competitive than I than I think people expected. Mainly because Shea Gilgis Alexander has been incredible. He looks like he's making the superstar leap right in front of our eyes if he keeps this up over the course of the season. Uh, the rest of the roster has been solid as well. Some of the young guys have really stepped up to the plate. Um, it's been fun. It's been really fun. Yeah, SGA has been a guy that I feel like people have been waiting the last season or two to like really make that jump because I think people are really excited about him. He's obviously a really talented guy. This year, it's been insane. He's averaging 32 points a game, six assists, four rebounds, two steals, and a block and a half. Like This is like 2K simulation stuff where what, what does that stat line look like night to night? It's it's incredible. The most interesting thing about it to me is most guys that score really efficiently uh, tend to rely more on the three ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shea is not. He shoots uh, 2.8 three point attempts per game, and he's shooting well on those. I mean, he's at almost he's at almost 38 percent. Um, you know, but he's been hitting 94% from the line. He's getting almost eight free throw attempts a game. He's making hay inside the three-point line. And, you know, I've watched a lot of Russell Westbrook, uh, obviously being from Oklahoma City, being an Oklahoma City Thunder fan, and having covered the team a little bit. You know, I've seen a lot of Russ, and Russ getting to the rack was always, it was speed, it was power, it was explosiveness. Shea gets to the rack in a very different way. Yes, he has you know some speed and some power, but the, the difference for him is it, it feels it feels very deliberate. He just he snakes his way through, uh, whereas Russ was sort of like a bulldozer headed to the basket. Shea just kind of flows through like water. He finds the cracks and and gets through to the rim where he's been he's been very efficient so far this season. It's been incredible to watch. And the whole offensive engine kind of runs off that. Once he's starting to get dribble penetration, it opens things up for everybody else. Oklahoma City runs five out. Um, and they've got, you know, there's not a lot of good shooters on the roster. That's something that I think moving forward they'll need to address. But um, it does kind of open things up for other guys where they can ping the ball around. And they've got a lot of guys who are comfortable moving the ball, which helps. So that, but that starts with Shea. What was the what would you say is the biggest difference from from this year? In previous years, he has been an effective player, but what would you say is the biggest difference from from this year, twenty two, twenty three, to previous seasons with him? Um, I honestly, he's he's not been quite this good the other years. 
but he's been, I think, better than people realize because no one, let's be real, no one's actually wanted to watch OKC in a couple <laughs> seasons. You know, it's there just hasn't been a lot of attention on him. And he's been out part of the season the last couple of years. Um, you know, it feels like he's really, he's kind of setting a tone early this year where he's come in, you know, I think part of it may also be like seeing, getting, getting extension, seeing all the other, you know, other guys in his class making the all-star game, you know, that sort of thing. He's coming out like he wants to make a statement. Um, and I think also the supporting cast being, uh, I mean, there's several guys that have been with the team for a while now, even the younger ones, you know, like Pokashevsky has been there a couple of years, you know, Lou Dort's been there a couple of years, you know, even uh, Kenrich Williams, uh, Mike Muscala. There's a core of people who kind of know how to play with each other, even if they're not the best players, they understand how guys work. There's been a continuity there. And I think that helps as well. Just kind of knowing how people play off each other. Um, I think has made a big difference too. Yeah, no, I think that makes sense. So the next thing is he got the big contract, right? Um, he's locked up there and now it sort of becomes a timeline thing of like, is there a trade possibility with him now where you could say maybe this is, this is definitely the, the his stock has never been higher than this. You could say this is could right. possibly be the peak of the stock. I don't think pe most people think that, but it's possible. Um, what are the trade possibilities? Because he has been locked up to a long-term contract. It would be very difficult to acquire him, but you know, there, this is a really young team. I think Josh Giddey's like 20 years old. Um, obviously they had an injury to their first round pick this year and it, yeah. it's a little confusing from a direction standpoint for this team. Uh, what do you think about the trade possibilities with him? I'm see, I've, I've thought, uh, and I've actually been, uh, I've, I've taken a lot of heat for thunder Twitter over the last couple of years for saying that I thought that the thunder might wind up trading him eventually. Not because I think they'd like to, but, you know, he is a young guy, you know, he's, you know, watching his peers make all-star games. And I believe, like, had he been in a larger market where they were trying to win, he probably would have made an all-star game by now. Um, he was, you know, he was, uh, I think, closer to someone like Randall uh, than people think. And, you know, there was the the legitimate injury a couple of years ago, and then, like, last season... It was like, eh, you know, they're, they're probably it's they're running out the most tanktastic lineups I've ever seen for <laughs> some of that. So, um, I if there were to be trade possibilities, I think from a Thunder perspective, I'd say who is a good young player, a good young player already who could be a centerpiece guy that maybe isn't on the timeline that this team that another team's looking for. So you could say like a Scotty Barnes or somebody, um, since Canada seems convinced that uh, Shea is returning home. Um, <laughs> I know how well that goes, given the Wizards thing for Kevin Durant, but <laughs> that's neither here nor there. Um, there is, you know, I, I think of like y good young players who are on rookie scale contracts um, who might be slightly younger. That's you know, like a Barnes or somebody like that, or Franz Wagner, uh, you know, some of those, some of those people. Is it Wagner? He's German, right? Is he German? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if that were to be the case, you would be looking for 
somebody who could uh, you you think could be a centerpiece guy moving forward. It would not be another uh, quantity trade because the Thunder have so many picks. Uh, not as many first round picks, I think, as people think anymore, but like they have a lot of picks and just rostering those guys is going to be a challenge. Ask Danny Ainge about like they made some like real weird, like late picks and that sort of thing. Spent a lot of time sending people to the red, uh, was it the red claws in Maine. Um, is there a G League team in Maine? No, 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 no. I'm, I'm saying that the, the Celtics. No, no. Yeah, no. Ranch. It's a Celtics G League team in Maine. Yeah. Oh, I didn't yeah, know that. It's. Yeah. Um, so they had, they had a lot of guys that they sent down to Maine, and I think they probably made some picks they wouldn't have had they not had the roster crunch. Um, so the Thunder, I think, have to be careful they don't wind up in that situation, too. They already have more guys that they think should play than are actually able to play, and I think a couple teams are probably going to get away with good players um, when the Thunder starts consolidating. So, it again, Shea, I would prefer for him not to be traded. So far, he's been a good soldier. Um, I think the Thunder would like to keep him. If it gets to the point where he's unhappy and they trade him, I think they're going to look for a young player on a rookie contract who can be a centerpiece player moving forward. They're not going to look for a pick package. Obviously, you'd have to adjust compensation because he's a good player, you know, adding things to that to make the deal uh, fair. But I don't think it's something that they're looking for. Gotcha. And then uh, we were talking a little bit about this before the episode started, but uh, if they do keep SGA, which, you know, for, for Thunder fans, hopefully they do, uh, they do have quite a bit of cap space going into the next offseason. Do you, do you have any idea of maybe what direction they want to go move-wise there? So the Thunder, um, the biggest free agent they've ever signed is probably Mike Muscala. <laughs> no, that can't be true. It's It's pretty, like... Think back, like which which free agents outside of their own guys have they have they signed? Maybe Tabo Cephalosha, oh, it's a old Derek Fisher. Um, who else? Uh, who else did they sign a free agent? Like, there's nobody. There's been nobody over like MLE money. What the Thunder usually do is they trade for people. Um, and using cap space, they use cap space to facilitate trades a lot of times. So, but I think that I don't think that that's because they wouldn't like to sign free agents. I think it's because free agents don't want to come play in Oklahoma City. So I live here, I like it, but I get it. I'm not a you know I'm not a 22 year old multimillionaire. You know, I, cost of living matters more for me. I always forget about that. I've lived in San Diego my whole life, so. The idea of like someone not wanting to come live where I live has like never really occurred to me uh, or my market or whatever it is because you're close enough to L.A. to where you can just if you come to San Diego, you can basically commute to L.A. It's so close. Right. So uh, I always forget about that, especially when I'm talking like small market teams. Uh, OK, so we've talked about SGA a lot. Uh, let's go down the rest of the roster. So Lou Dort is a guy that I think is interesting, came into the league and put up insane defensive numbers he was 99th percentile in our on-ball defense metric mm -hmm. uh the rookie year the thing that kind of is a little confusing with him for me is 
he has still has good on ball and then the opposite of that is our ball screen navigation which is how well you handle like pick and roll so if you combine those two stats it's a lot of your perimeter defense he's been very good at that as well but the on ball stuff has declined a little bit as the offensive load has increased which is a pretty common thing for players yeah. um but the thing with doris he hasn't been the most efficient offensive player so it seems like to me, it would make sense of once you get some more talent on the roster, once you start being more competitive, he slides back into like a little bit more of that defensive specialist guy that has the really high matchup difficulty, takes the you know the opponent's star every night. That's what it looks like to me, but obviously you're following it closer than me, uh, and that is not his role right now. So, And he's getting paid. He, he got a pretty decent extension, too. How do you see Lou Dort um, kind of moving forward with his role on the team? I agree. I think long-term, Dort is the kind of guy that you would like slotting into a smaller role. With the current team where where they're not necessarily trying to win games, um, you know, I think think he has a little more leeway where they've said, yeah, it's like expand your offensive game, see what you can do. You know, um, if you – can you bring a little bit more um, juice as far as driving – excuse me, out of work. Uh, as far as driving with the ball or, you know, can you shoot it a little bit more? Um, you know, and I think when, when things change up, I think you're exactly right. I think that role ideally gets to be a little smaller. That is hard. Uh, you know, sometimes when you get a young player and you've told them to stretch their wings for a long time and then you're like, Hey, can we get you to go back to just being a three and D guy? Sometimes that's a, a little bit of a challenge for that person to take. So I don't know how that will go. I'm sure I'm sure he'll be I'm sure he would be okay with it, but you never quite know how that's gonna go. But yeah, ideally, smaller role. He's not a very efficient offensive player. I think the Thunder hired Chip Angle into the soft season um to work with their players and teach them to shoot better. Uh that's gonna be critical for Dort. He's only he's putting up almost six threes a game and shooting uh 26%. It's tough. Yeah. So that's going to be a critical number moving forward. Those are Laker numbers. Yeah, that's bad. <laughs> um, okay, so kind of the, the way where I'm kind of trying to piece together the team in my head, right, is you have SGA as the star, um, kind of does everything, scores a lot of points. You have Dort as the kind of secondary guard who's going to, you know, lock up the the opponent's defensive or uh, best offensive player. He'll be focusing more on defense, but he is, a, he is a good athlete. So it is interesting to see in these few years if he can develop that two-point game. Um, and then the third guy is Josh Giddy, who was a rookie last year, extremely young, was 19 years old. He comes in, is immediately a wizard passing wise it was super impressive he was uh he had our second best rookie playmaking grade in our database going back to 2014 only behind trey young the passing was fantastic talk a little bit about his rookie year and then what you've seen kind of going into year two yeah i mean like i think it'll be maybe a little bit of an odd comparison but like a uh i i think of like tall rubio uh, That's where I've literally said that it, it's a it's a very easy comparison, I, I think, to make because because there is, you know, he doesn't have a ton of offensive game himself. He's not he's not been great offensively. He's not a great shooter. He's not great at getting to the rack. Um you know, that's the biggest concern is where does the offensive game go? Because he's you know, he's obviously he can do a little bit of everything. 
but he's not to the point yet where he can put enough pressure on the basket. Uh, you know, I, th- I think um, people tend to overestimate pure passing skill uh, when it comes to point guard play and underestimate um, how much putting pressure on the basket open thing opens things up for you. Like Russell Westbrook was never a what you would call a quote unquote good passer. Like he was he was a decent passer, but he was never a good passer. Um, but he was able to, you know, get assists and move the rock because he put pressure on the basket. Josh Giddy's kind of the opposite. He never, like, he he doesn't put pressure on the basket, um, you know, unless he catches somebody out. He's He plays old man game. You know, <laughs> he'll catch somebody out and, you know, back cut or drive by somebody who overplays him on defense or something like that. But he's not a guy that, like, puts the fear of God into a defense. So that's the big thing moving forward. Rookie year, you know, it's amazing watching the passing highlights. He's so good at delivering on time and on target, but you really need him to take a step forward in terms of his scoring for him to be the kind of player that he needs to be long-term. Yeah, uh, well, one of the things that kind of popped into my head is uh, the Thunder should use their timeouts for for offensive reasons instead of like instead of like to get players on the same page or change things up defensively, right? So they should call more timeouts so they can have sideline out of bounds plays where Josh Giddy can then inbound the ball for assists because it mm-hmm. feels like that is where he is at his best. I don't know if it's because the defender can't stand too close by the rules, <laughs> but every time I see him inbounding the ball, something magical happens. So maybe the Thunder should be maybe rethinking how they use their timeouts. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely, it, it's really cool watching. You never know exactly what's going to happen because I'm sure there's stuff that's that uh, Coach Dagnall's drawn up but you get stuff like uh, what was the one the other day? It was just uh, one of the guys. I think it was Jalen Williams, back cut, and and Giddy just caught him off the bounce. Yeah, and it was an that. easy two points. That's all. Like, yeah, you know, it's the, just it's just really cool watching those reads. Or the Kenrich, there was a Kenrich Williams one a few months back that was crazy. So the passing with him is phenomenal. I think the things you brought up offensively that are concerned are are totally valid because it's it's kind of the thing of like, well, he does need to put the ball in the basket at some point. Um, so I guess my thing with trying to put together this team is if you have the idea is SGA is the star, Dort's a defensive stopper, then Giddy's kind of your secondary playmaker, it starts to get concerning from a lineup standpoint of spacing and just like offensive punch, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So what yep. are you what what are you seeing as is it someone's gonna have to go, someone's gonna have to change their game? What are you what are you seeing there for for how this is all gonna make sense? I, I think a lot depends a lot depends on how Giddy develops, um, and and a lot's going to depend on you know Holmgren and uh, another guy I haven't heard mentioned much is uh, Jalen Williams, who's been kind of a bright spot for the Thunder as well. I don't know if he's you know a guy that you play always like like I don't know exactly what his role looks like yet, but for a rookie he's come in and he's been very uh, very capable. Um. You know, there's a, there's a handful of guys on this team who are very much like uh, raw clay, uh, and it's hard to say. Shea is, you know, maybe not a finished product, but a lot more finished than everybody else. Lou Dort, you kind of know what you're getting. Um, pretty much all the other guys, I think, you know, outside of the vets, you're like, oh, man, I don't know. I don't know what they're going to look like. So I don't know that you can necessarily say, okay, here's the shape of the team yet, because I don't think we know 
what Giddy or Pokashevsky or, you know, Williams or Usmani Jang or some of these other players are going to turn into. Uh, let's, let's talk about Pokashevsky. He's the last guy I wanted to hit on. He's 21 years old. He's seven feet tall. He's shooting 37% from three, and he's averaging a block and a half a game. That is an interesting skill set for a big man. And uh, it's third year in the league. What have you seen out of him? And, and kind of what are you what are you kind of feeling for the next few years in terms of development out of him? He's a really weird player, man. He's been he's been kind of like this this sort of like mythical um, meme player for a while, because like the guy basically uh, I don't know if you there was a. Sorry, let me organize my thoughts for a second. Uh, PD Web, Prospect Development Web, um, did a scouting report on him before he um, de- declared for the draft. It's a really interesting report. I read it, you know, ages ago. It was like 20 pages of scouting or something like that, <laughs> something ridiculous for a no-name prospect in the middle of nowhere. Um, the big thing about him is he just hasn't played a lot of organized ball. And his team was stashing him in a lower league to keep him from getting scouted. So he's been playing lower level ball in Greece and not necessarily playing with the better players. So when the Thunder got him, like you talk about raw, like even for his age, you know, I think he's probably two years. He's probably two years behind what people would expect in development for a player like like a normal rookie coming in. So basically they've had the chance to mold his game from an earlier point than they would otherwise and instill those habits and that discipline and, and get get him playing with you know better players. Um, and that's been really interesting because he was this sort of like baffling player where he'd make these incredible reads on one, in one moment and then the next make like the stupidest most bonehead like plays that you've ever seen in your life (laughs) like there's no in between there's been no in between with Poku. it was either like he was doing like something that was just galaxy brain amazing or he was just doing something that was so stupid you're like where was your brain what were you thinking you know this year he's actually been it's going to be weird to say this he's been a basketball player like he's been an NBA player this year, mm. which is a which is a plus because like he's shown flashes before, but now he's kind of getting to the point where it's like, oh, okay, we can see the vision taking shape, you know, because he's got on ball skills, he's got length, he's been able to play on the front line a little bit and has had to because of obviously the Holmgren injury, um, you know, so it's really interesting to see what he's becoming. He's got good passing vision. I think the long-term goal for the Thunder, I, just looking at this team, is to have on-ball skills and passing acumen at every position on the floor. Mm. So I think that's what they're looking for. They've been running five out, and you look at the the archetypes of the players that they brought in, and I think we've seen this even with teams that go deep in the playoffs. A lot of them are playing less one-dimensional players and more guys at every position that can really, you know, that can do something with the ball once it's in their hands uh, because some of those one dimensional guys, you know, we've seen the last few years, some of them, you know, the three and D archetype, you know, the Danny greens who aren't really good with the ball in their hands. You know, some of those guys have gotten a, had a hard time in the playoffs 
uh, because, you know, they can't put the ball on the floor. So if somebody closes out hard, then it makes things more difficult. Uh, so I think they're going for five out heavy playmaking and Pokashevsky is integral to that because he's got the size. Holmgren's another one that would be integral to that because again, size and ball skills, you know, I think moving forward, obviously one Banyam is a perfect, um, you know, fit for that. If the thunder were to get him, you know, which the timeline gets interesting there. Um, you know, so I think that's that's kind of the architect they're going for, and Pokashevsky's perfect for that. If he becomes the fully realized version of himself that people would love to see. All right. Well, David Brandon, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for getting us up to speed on the state of the Thunder. Um, what what's your Twitter handle, and you got anything else to plug? Um, honestly, right now I haven't been doing much basketball writing in a while, but if you want to take a look at any of my stuff or some of the people that I've worked with, um, you know, there's good people over at daily thunder, uh, Brandon Rabar, uh, you know, John Hamm, I think contributes there sometimes, you know, there's a, there's some good people, uh, Olivia Panchal, you know, there's good people there at daily thunder. So shout out to them at daily thunder on Twitter. Uh, me personally, I am bird rights, NBA at bird, R I G H T S NBA on Twitter. Uh, I tweet about basketball and, you know, music and food and whatever else I'm thinking about that day. Uh, but yeah, if you have any cap questions, particularly thunder relevant questions, uh, I'm, I'm there to answer them. So. All right. Fantastic. Well, that is David Brandon. My name is Taylor. Thanks to Krishna for producing and we'll see you on the next episode of the basketball index podcast.